Good morning. Our scripture reading today continues in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. And now that you're all safely back seated, if, uh, we, I'd like you to stand uh, to, as we honor God's word in the reading of his word, please, if you're able. Romans 12, verses 9 to 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Thank you. You may be seated. Would you pray with me once more before we dive into God's word together? Let's pray. Father, I'm asking for miraculous Holy Spirit-empowered work to be done in our hearts this morning, in my heart this morning, and in the hearts of everybody associated with this church. Lord, I pray that you would, even through this time together, listening to your word and then partaking in communion, please enable us to step up out of slothfulness and into spiritual fervency so that we could serve you, our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we have, as we've been in Romans, talked a lot about what to believe, what to think. Um, Romans 1 through 11 was very heavy on theology and doctrine, uh, as you remember. And then we hit Romans 12, and it got really practical, and it went from what to think and believe about God and what he's done for us in Jesus to what to do. And that's what we really zeroed in on last week, that now that we understand what Jesus has done for us, we can live. And that means very practical obedience. Today isn't so much about what to believe or what to do, as uh, how to be. Here, Jesus is speaking to us and he's telling us how to not be and how to be. Okay? So before we get in, we're only going to look at verse 11 today. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. That's all we're going to talk about. So a quick recap of of where we've been and how we've gotten here. Um, Romans is a really, really deep, extended meditation on the gospel. So basically what we've received so far is that God is awesome. He is bigger than we've, we've ever dreamed. He's more godlike than we tend to think. And what he's done for us through Jesus is, is more comprehensive and amazing and beautiful than we can understand. So... We've learned about how through Jesus we've been justified, we've been made innocent, we've been adopted as co-heirs with Christ, as sons and daughters. Um, We are being sanctified, made to look more like Jesus. And then he, after examining all that about how awesome God is, in chapter 12, he gets to the practical part and he says, so how should we respond? And the only logical response to really thinking about Jesus 
is worship. And Paul's idea of worship isn't a vague, uh, a vague sense of well-being and, and warm feelings and thoughts toward God, and it's not merely singing songs. It's physical, bodily sacrifice. So what worship looks like, our response is to, according to our gifts in Jesus, to be the church and serve each other. You're gifted in different ways and to worship God in light of all he's done in Jesus. Take that really seriously and work really hard as a member of the church. It also means loving each other genuinely. It means showing each other brotherly affection. It means deeply hating, abhorring what is evil and clinging to what is good. All these practical things. And today we see that it also means not being slothful in zeal, but being fervent in spirit. I have some different translations of this to help us get a uh, rounded out picture of what he means. The NIV, which some of you probably have, says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The New Living Translation says, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. The New American Standard Bible, the one I used to preach from, I used to preach from it every Sunday, and then some of you went out and bought it, and then I switched to a different translation right after that. I apologize, but if you still have that, it says, Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. King James, anybody with their King James? Really? I thought there'd be a couple. Okay, a couple. King James says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. They say it in many different ways, but there's really just two ideas. Okay? And again, this is real and this is for you and you're expected to respond now that you're hearing it. So let's apply our minds to what Jesus is saying to us and think about how we're going to respond. There's a way for you to not be and there's a way for you to be, okay? So, the way for you to not be slothful in zeal. Has anybody used either of those two words this week? Slothful or zeal? Okay. The way for you to be fervent in spirit. Has anybody used the word fervent this week? No, okay. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of what these mean, and they're very simple, um, there's an assumption that lies underneath this, this verse. And the assumption is that you can actually do something about this. You can actually change this. So if you are slothful in zeal, you can actually stop being slothful in zeal and start being fervent in spirit. And that's an important distinction to make because this is different from telling you to go do something. This is telling you to go be something. It's different for me to tell my kids, go clean your room, than to tell them, go clean your room and be passionate about it. Be enthusiastic about it. Now, you probably think it's a little more reasonable for me to say, go clean your room, than for me to expect them to also love it. But that's what God's telling us to do. Do all these practical things, but don't just do them. Be fervent in spirit about it. So let's look at what, he, what these things mean. How not to be. 
don't be slothful in zeal. I wrote it, I've, I've written the, the definitions for these words, so I'm going to read them to you now. Nothing wakes people up on a rainy morning like someone reading definitions to them. So this is what you've been waiting for. <clears throat> slothful. This is the definition of the Greek word translated slothful, not the definition of the English word slothful. Just so you know. It means shrinking, timid, and therefore idle, troublesome, hesitant, tardy, reluctant, unwilling to act. Okay? So that's what slothful means. Zeal, the word translated zeal means diligence, haste, earnestness, enthusiasm, enthusiasm. I'm very tired, so if I just stop making sense, somebody come like slap me, and I'll get back on track. Zeal means diligence, haste, earnestness, enthusiasm, and quickness. Okay, are you getting the picture? You, you should not be slow and bogged down in terms of diligence and quickness to act. Don't be like that. Now, I suspect that most of us in here are not, from a human perspective, just outright evil people. I bet that most of you are not selling drugs to kindergartners, running down old ladies with your cars, doing blatantly terrible things. Now, that's not to say that your sin isn't blatantly terrible, but I doubt that you walked in here thinking, I hope nobody finds out that I really worship Satan. But I'll bet that many of us in here are slothful in zeal, lukewarm, as opposed to being hot. Does anybody remember what Jesus said about churches that are lukewarm? Yeah, maybe they're not super evil. Maybe they're not embezzling money from their from the congregation's uh, offerings. But they're also not really great. Does anybody remember what Jesus said about that? Right. You two are soulmates. You guys said that in perfect unison. That's exactly right. In Revelation 3, he's speaking to the church in Laodicea, and he says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So, Jesus didn't do all of this that we have read about in Romans. God didn't do all of this so that we could be moderately, mildly nice folks who have pleasant church activities. God did not orchestrate all of history to point to his coming in the form of Jesus Christ to live the life we failed to live, to die brutally the death that we deserve so that we could be mild about him. Jesus said he came so that we could have abundant life. So this brings us to how we should be. So we should not be slothful, in zeal. How should we be? We should be fervent in spirit. The word translated fervent 
literally means boiling. It carries the idea of intense heat bringing about reaction. It's the idea of water bubbling over and and pouring out of the pot. It's seething with heat and energy. So don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent, boiling spiritually. So the alternative to being slothful in zeal, if you have felt like, okay, I know I'm lukewarm as I've been preaching. I know that I'm reluctant to act um, when, when I hear God's word preached. Like last week, I gave you some very specific things to do. I wonder how many of you did them. And I wonder how many those ideas from scripture landed on you and they just, just fizzled out and went nowhere because you're slothful in zeal. If, like me, you've been convicted by this first half of the verse, here's your alternative. Be fervent spiritually. Now note that it's not the alternative that you might have guessed. You might have thought, okay, don't be slow and reluctant to be diligent and, uh, and quick acting and, and hardworking and zealous. You may have thought that the alternative would be to do a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to be slothful and zeal anymore. I'm going to go do a bunch of stuff. I'm going to get involved in every program at Doolin's Grove. I'm going to hand out tracks to every person I see. I'm going to go do a bunch of stuff. And that will solve my slothfulness problem. But that's not how the Bible teaches it. The Bible says don't be that way. Instead, let your your spirit heat up. Get hot. Begin to boil. We don't need to go pretending that we're fervent in spirit with an abundance of activity. We need to grow hot spiritually. So last night, I did something that I rarely do. The circumstances, um, vocabulary is one of the first things that I lose as I get tired. Circumstances happened so that I was home during dinner time for the kids and Meredith wasn't. There was a family get together and the kids weren't up for going. So I had the incredibly difficult task of making spaghetti noodles for the sauce that Meredith had already made. So to cook, if you can use that word, spaghetti noodles, you get the box out and they're hard noodles and you get a pot of water. So you you have a pot of water and you have spaghetti noodles. The problem that you have is that the noodles are hard. They're, in it, they're not edible. So you've got, you've got these two things, a pot with water and spaghetti noodles. How do you solve the problem with these materials? If you just have them, and it's not working. I've got the water and I've got the noodles, but nothing's happening. Maybe if I get more noodles, add more noodles to the equation, that'll get things cooking. No. Maybe if I get more water, a bigger pot, Add more water to the equation. Maybe that'll make it work. No. What do I need to do? I need to put it on the burner and get it hot until it's boiling. And then something will happen. So, how that relates to Doolin's Grove. You look around, okay? We have many empty pews. Don't we? Have you noticed 
You know, the fall bounce back hasn't been as full as it has in some years. And there's many reasons for that. Some of you may wish that Dillon's Grove were more vibrant, more active. Well, we've got the people, and we've got the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ and and God's word and exactly what to do. We've got these materials. What needs to happen? Do we need more people? Is that going to solve the Doolin's Grove problem? Do we need, does God need to give us more? No, we, we just need to sit on the burner and get hot, boiling. The answer to slothfulness and zeal for an individual and for a church is not <clears throat> adding more people or more programs to the equation. It's you and me getting spiritually hot. Which brings us to the question, how? How? Well, Paul doesn't tell us. The jerk. He says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. How, how do we move from slothful in spirit, I mean slothful in zeal, to fervent in spirit? Well, Paul doesn't spell it out here. But I think scripture as a whole is fairly clear. As you read through Psalms and, and other parts of scripture, I believe God, God's source of heat for us is, is right here. You read through the Psalms and they meditate on God's word day and night. And in the quiet on their bed, they're, they're pondering. And it's like they are a pot of water sitting on this long enough for the heat to transfer and for them to begin to boil and begin to, to change in terms of their spiritual temperature and their passion. Now, how many of you would say <clears throat> that you're busy? You can actually raise your hand. Does anybody feel that they're busy leading a fairly hectic life? Okay, many of you, and then there's a bunch of people that are just flat out lying. It seems to be more and more as I talk to people, this is the struggle. I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I wake up in the morning, I hit the ground running, and then I run right back into my bed at night, and I get as much sleep as I can, and then I start it again. Day in, day out, weeks fly by, months fly by, years fly by, leaving us no time to sit and to meditate to allow God to heat us up. So, you know, we grab a verse, you know, real quickly. Maybe it's on a calendar or something or some app on our phone. We grab it real quickly. We sit on it for a minute and then we go. I mean, sticking to the spaghetti illustration, first time I've cooked in like five years, so it's very profound to me. If I sit a pot of water on the burner, even if the burner is scalding red hot, if I sit the pot of water on there, does it boil immediately? No, it takes time. Spiritual fervency takes time. Resting on God's revelation of himself to us through Jesus Christ and through his word. So here's my challenge to you this week. Um, Every week as we move forward, you're going to receive these challenges and they're going to be very specific And I'm not going to be able to follow up with you to see if you've done it. But I'll know if I've done it. This is a challenge for me as well. 
Those in house-to-house groups can keep each other accountable. If you are not already resting on the burner of God's word and growing spiritually hot, start this week. Come up with some plan, some idea of how you can begin your day with Scripture. Even just, you know, just stay in Romans if you're not sure where to begin. Begin your day somehow with Scripture. This is my advice to you. This isn't, you know, God's word commanding this to you, but this is advice on how maybe you could do this. Begin your day with a, a passage or even just a verse of Scripture. Meditate on it. Think on it. Understand it. Research it if, if you need to understand it better. And then through the day, let your, your mind and your spirit rest on that until it produces in you heat and change and fervency. See, and then what you'll start to see happen is your life will start bubbling up and things will start happening. And you won't feel like you have to try to animate yourself or our church, like I always say, like Weekend at Bernie's, where we're not really alive spiritually, but we're going to act, act like we are. You're, from deep within you will come the desire to worship and praise God. From deep within you will come the desire to love and self-sacrificially serve your spouse. From deep within you will come the desire to train up your children in the way they should go. From deep down within you will come the desire to love and serve the people around you as yourself. And it'll be abundant life. So, will you do that this week? Okay. I am going to do that this week. You know, this is my confessional booth often. You know, even being a pastor and being in the Word so often, the busyness of my days tends to take me off of the burner prematurely. So this is a very good reminder to me and to you. So we're in this together. Now, in closing, before we partake in communion together, um, Paul does give us a bit of direction for this spiritual fervency. At the very end of verse 11, he says, Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You know, zeal in of itself isn't necessarily a good thing. Zeal is basically neutral. It can either be really bad and destructive, or it can be really good and and constructive and worshipful. Remember back in Romans 10, where Paul is talking about the Jews, and he says, My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved, for I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. In other words, the Jewish people without Christ were very zealous, but it was an ignorant zeal. And it led away from God through Jesus. So zeal isn't necessarily good. There's, there's a, a type of zeal, a type of fervency, and a direction for it. And it should direct you to serve the Lord. Now these verses we've been reading, verses 9 through 13, we've read the same passage for weeks now. 
living this way is not the lifestyle of the lukewarm. This is the lifestyle of the spiritually fervent Christian. I mean, imagine our church, if, if we were boiling enough to really live just this way, just in these verses, verses 9 through 13 of chapter 12. Instead of attending church, we would be bustling with, with people working vigorously through their spiritual gifts to be the church. Instead of often wrestling with um, private gossip and selfishness, we would be a group of people who love each other genuinely, who wage war against hypocrisy and pretense, who see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then fellowship would just be Instead of hypocrisy and apathy, we would be a people who abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Those two words, abhor and cling, those are deep, passionate words. If we would allow our spirits to become fervent, we wouldn't see people demanding to be honored and demanding their rights. We'd see people rigorously giving up their rights to honor other people. And this is what Jesus died for. So as we transition into communion and we prepare to take these elements as a reminder of what Jesus has done for us, think about what he has done for you, but think about why he did it. What results was he aiming for? And don't just feel convicted if you're not living up to that. Well, not if. We should not just feel convicted because we're not fully living up to this. We should also feel really encouraged. Because these are the people, this is what God is molding us into. I mean, we can trust that we are growing into spiritually fervent people. Because it's not going to be brought about by our own awesomeness. It's brought about by what Jesus did. So I want to pray for us. And I want you to pray as we begin our communion observance. Would you bow with me? Father, please search our hearts right now. Please reveal to us sin that we may not be aware of. Not so that we'd be crushed but so that we'd be convicted and moved to confess and repent. Lord, if there are people here who are not in a position to partake of communion, they've got too much sin, too many um, destroyed relationships that they need to reconcile, I pray that you'd make that clear to them, that they would feel safe to let the cup and bread pass. Lord, please protect all of our hearts from any uh, judgmentalism toward any who choose to let the bread and cup pass because this is serious. May we feel the gravity of what Jesus has done. And may we be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen.